out there in cyberspace, this is Matthew McConaughey coming to you from Rossford, Ohio. I got a little pit stop in between flights, and I thought, why not stop off in the Midwest a little bit between Detroit and Chicago, do this Bowman's Breakdown thing, man, and give a little give a little laid-back Texas flavor to it. Obviously, Mike wow. Bowman is my boy, and uh, I got to tell you, I, I like this new podcast, man. I listen to it all the time when I'm out running on the on the beach with my shirt off, and... Uh, I tell you what, uh, even my little my little boy loves it. My wife loves it. All my friends love it. They're like, "Who is this guy?" So uh, I had to come out here, and ironically, this guy's boss is named Mike too. So this is this is pretty cool, man. I'm I'm, oh. I'm digging the setup you got in Rossford, Ohio here. Wow, I'm I'm gonna have to go brush my teeth after I just puked in my mouth a little again. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, everybody? This is Mike Bauman oh. coming at you again. From Rossford, Ohio, with my boss and producer Mike Jameson to give you the third installment of Bauman's Breakdown. Thank you once again for checking us out. And uh, yeah, man, I'm excited again for another week of this. Um, we, we got the ball rolling with it now, and uh, I'm as happy as I was when I was a little girl. That wasn't that long ago? That wasn't that long ago. No, I mean, it wasn't. I was a late bloomer. Surgery, surgery was good? <clears throat> surgery was good. I was a late bloomer. and uh, Now you look like a young Irish boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how'd, exactly. how'd that happen? I don't know. I don't know. I'll probably look like this until I'm, I'm 50. Until you're an old Irish man. You know, that's a good sign of your manhood, too, when you walk around and you see like 15-year-olds at the mall and they can grow better beards than you can. But, you know, that's just the blessings that the Lord gave me, you know. He gave me the ability to grow a beard on my neck and shrubs in my nostrils. So uh, that's, you know, you got to be happy and work Once with again, what you got. I'm going to brush my teeth again. That's <laughs> like, uh, thanks for doing this to me I, real early in the morning. I really yeah. appreciate well, what, it. What well, what am I here for? It feels like winter outside, man. I drove out here today and uh, here in northwest Ohio, it, uh, we, we, we got a nice little cold freeze last night. It looked, it looked very... Uh, very uh like like mysterious this morning when i got up yeah, it was all it was, foggy and everything and it looked like something out of lord of the rings like a like a movie set it was crazy it's uh i i, I guess your planning days are over for another six months yeah yeah you know i still have like 600 tomatoes sitting on my my uh I, i'm not kidding i bet That's you I, I bet you i got a hundred uh truthfully a hundred tomatoes out there so what are you going to do with them now well i you know a lot of them are still green um you know it was an it was like all all the plants and everything got killed from all the heat you know yeah and and then you know the end of august when it cooled off a little then all of a sudden it just hit and you know my pepper plants. I've got like forty pepper plants, and it, 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 today was the day. It's over. So what's ever out there, we're gonna pick tonight. And uh, you know it's Monday for me, and this is like my day off after you know I put a forty-eight hour weekend between Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with football. So did I tell you how much I love football? Yeah, <laughs> especially varsity, JV, third and fourth, and fifth and sixth grade football. Uh, I get weekend. the whole g- gamut. And then in like five weeks, basketball starts. And I coach CYO basketball. So then, you know, basketball, and we'll be out there. Oh, are you? What, what grade are you coaching this I year? I don't know yet. Uh, my, my buddy, is, his daughter is fifth grade, and uh, and he's begging me to come help him. But I've kind of I've kind of gone up with a bunch of kids now that are now seniors in high school that uh, they're a rough bunch. You know, I mean, they, they think their poop don't stink kind of, and, and I didn't coach them last year, and the kid that coached them, <coughs> he, he didn't get anywhere with them. And they pretty much, by the end of the season, half the kids quit. You know, they, they didn't 
they, you know, they didn't respect him, and they're they're, they're all calling me, texting me, you know, Jamo, man, you got to come coach us, please. We promised, I, you know, we want we want you to coach. So that was kind of cool. And uh, this was the group when you walked in that they didn't have a team for him, you know. And they called me at the last minute, hey, you got to come help, you got to come help. And they say we didn't expect to win one game, and I took them to the uh, diocesan championship game with a bunch of uh, mean Look at east you. side punks that thought their poop didn't stink, and uh, we turned them into a pretty good ball club. That's you know? like that's like an ABC Family movie. Right well, there. no, we lost by uh, we we got our butts killed in the uh, diocesan game. Our two best players uh, got kicked out of the game in the first four minutes of the game. Well, no, I mean the kid was going up for a layup and got nailed. And when he when he got done, he grabbed the ball and and spiked it. But he didn't spike it. He went real hard like he was gonna, and then he just set it on the ground. And they, they teed him up for that. Ah, uh, typical CYO. Yeah, exactly. And he was my only big-time scorer that could put 30 up. How many years ago was this? Was this eighth two, grade? Two, three years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, they were uh, they were uh, just getting into high school, All so right. probably two or three years ago. But um, Yeah, dude, I, I miss it, man. Like, I always wanted to... Uh, well, if I coached my, 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 if I coached the boy, the big boys, you can come help, and, uh, and they'll... they'll uh, it's scary, man. Yeah, I know. I never. <laughs> it's scary. I, I always, I always wanted to like give it a shot. You know what I mean? But uh, I've just, I've never really had it. An and I'm a mean coach. You know. Yeah, but they respect me. You I yell mean, at them and stuff. Oh, like, I yell like Bobby Knight. But I, are you, are you the type though that but yells? They respect me. Like, like I had a coach who shall remain nameless because he still coaches in this area, and he was just an, an absolute bleepity bleeping mother bleeper i mean he was very like he 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 his job he drove a truck for some company or something right and he just had a newborn baby this was when i was in seventh grade it's like 11 years ago and he would come into practice and you could just see the bloodshot (laughs) eyes oh yeah five o'clock shadow he'd come in you know because in in those days i don't know how it is now Excuse me, but you could only practice like three days a week and see. Yeah, I think that's what it still is. So it was like six hours or something. So he would come in on like Tuesday, Thursday, Friday or whatever the heck it was. And he would just wait for somebody to screw up so he could use his horrible life as an excuse to unload. (laughs) And I ended up it was really weird that year, Mike, because I started the first game. You know, and in seventh grade, there's only like six minute quarters or something in CYO. Sure. And the first game, I did pretty well. I had like four points, a couple of rebounds, and everything. But then I kind of became his whipping boy as the oh. season went on. And eventually, like even the athletic director like met with us, and uh, I was very verbal in that meeting. I was like, "This dude," I was like, "I was like, listen, I'm not, I'm not a softy, but I'm like, this dude comes in and he's yelling from like." you know, five minutes into practice right. until, and it wasn't like, it wasn't like, come on, you guys stop screwing around. Or like, if the guys aren't paying attention sure, or sure, sure. like, of course, then you got to be a coach. But it's like, when you use your horrible life <laughs> and your lack of sleep to, to, to wait for the ball to drop, to take it out of some like 12 and 13 year old kids, that's pretty sad. So, well, the athletic director, I think ended up telling him exactly what guy said stuff, which is horribly unprofessional. Oh, wow. He didn't keep it like, he didn't say, hey, listen, man, right. I got some horrible feedback. Like, you know, I mean, we were terrible, too. Like, it wasn't like we were responding to it. I mean, we were, like, awful. We, I think we won only a couple of games. And it got to the point by the end of the season, I mean, basketball is my sport. I love it. Right. I hated basketball. Well, I hated it. That's and, what happened to my daughter, too. And, and we were in a tournament, and I'll never forget it. I finally got in the game, and we were winning probably by, like, eight points. 
And uh, listen to me here. I'm really getting in detail about my unglory days. <laughs> my <laughs> non-glory my, my non days. days. Yeah, if they had a metal remix of it called Poopy Ladies Days. Ladies and gentlemen, you're hearing the story of a seventh grade but, basketball star. <laughs> yeah. But I finally got in the game. And, uh, you know, I made a point when I went in to say, okay, I got 44. You know, I always called out who, who right, I had. Right, right. So nobody was confused as substitutions. I always... Well, you're supposed to do that. Yeah, That's a yeah. good thing. And, and mind you, I mean, and I'm not talking myself up here, but I was a pretty good basketball player back in the day. You know what I mean? Like, I, right. I was not a, a terrible kid who thought he was good. Like, I was a good player. I was smart. I wasn't the fastest guy, but I was a little taller than average. I was a good defender. You know, I had a decent shot. I was a lefty, so it was a little harder, you know, for certain yeah. people to guard me. But I got in the game. Uh, nobody else calls out who they have. So then there's like three of us guarding 44. <laughs> so then there's this one kid on the perimeter who's just hitting three, three, three. And all of a sudden, now it's like a one-point game. He calls a timeout. And who do you think he blames for the yeah. comeback? He looks right at me. He's like, bombing. 35 is your man. Rah, rah, rah. He gets on me. And I, I mean, and Mike, this guy's probably 6'2", 260. Oh. Okay. More to love. He was a big guy. And I, at the time, was probably about 5'4 and a buck 10. And I got right in his face, and I was like, I got 44. I mean, and the gym kind of went, I was like, I called out my guy right in front of your face before I went in the game. And then I started getting a little emotional because, I, like, at that point, I just yeah. had it. I hate, And I, I started walking away from him. I went back up to him. I was like, listen, I called out my man right when I got in the game. Don't you ever blame this comeback on me right now. And he just kind of got a little <laughs> wide-eyed. I mean, I was, 13, I was 13 years old, and I got in his face. And, and then the next year, I loved it because I made the A team when I was in seventh grade. In eighth grade, I kind of got screwed over because there was a track coach. I mean, and everybody knows how these things sure. go. But there's a track coach from a local high school. And my particular grade school, a lot of kids went to this particular high school. Well, I was not going to that particular high school. I was going to the other school. Right. And so I ended up getting put on the B team. And uh, I was a little down because I was like, come on, really? Because there was a couple of guards who made the team. And they were buddies of mine. But I was like, this dude's like five inches shorter sure, than me. Right, right. He can't handle the ball the way I can handle the ball. Like, you can't sit here and tell me that I'm not better <laughs> than this guy. You know what I mean? Um, but I was like, whatever, man. I, at that point, I had kind of gotten used to getting, you know, shafted. And uh, But um, our B team coach originally I thought it was going to be another horrible year because they're like, well, this guy coached, you know, he took like the Bobby Knight coaching class and the whole nine. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. I was, like, go, I was like, no. And uh, I do got to give this guy his props. Coach Huss, one of the best coaches I ever had, was not a screamer. And we had a team, you know, there was probably two or three of us that were pretty good, you know, on the B team. And then the other guys were either kind of fair to Midland or just not really that good, but they wanted to play. You know what I mean? And – we ended up winning our league that year and went into a couple of different tournaments. He was one of my favorite coaches I ever had because we ran the motion offense sure. that Bobby Knight runs. And, uh, you know, it really requires everybody to be on the same page. It's not like you have one guy bringing the ball right, up. Right, right. Somebody sets a pick for him. It's all predicated on setting screens away from the basketball. Everybody's moving the whole time, keeping the defense. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I had a great time. I had way more fun on the B team, but, uh, but yeah, I know I just unraveled to do like a little five minute spiel there, but, uh, but there's a difference between coaches, minute, just coaches who yell, 
coaches who yell because they know you can do better right and they're frustrated because you're not paying attention or you're screwing around and and coaches who are just like i hate my life so i'm gonna scream at some kids I, my difference. favorite time of my day is being out on the court with the guys and uh, girls too i've coached girls i've coached you know i've I've gone to CYO championships with the girls two times, too. And I, I, I would love to coach high school basketball. Unfortunately, with everything we're doing, you yeah. know, with our sports, it, it, it's really made it, it really made it tough. I've had a couple opportunities that I could have gotten in coaching JV girls. And just, it just, there's no, there's just no time. Obviously we're at a, we're at a basketball game twice a week, you know, yeah. doing games. So, uh, yeah. so it makes it kind of tough for us, but, uh, you know, we should get into some music here. Yeah, we should. Uh, we'll transition into some music <laughs> and you know what? Everybody listens to warm up music before games, right? Especially all you, also, it's just all, all you kids out there, you know what I mean? You got your iPods and your Beats headphones and which we were just talking about that boy yeah. those things are I mean they're selling like hotcakes but I, I went to Best Buy the other day to get a couple get of it. CDs and they, they were like I think some of them were like almost two hundred bucks and I'm like man that's almost as much as an MP3 player you know it's funny I just you know I just got my new truck and um, um, I have I am I'm going to be fifty years old it's my first truck to have a CD player in it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's weird. But like yesterday, I, I, I DJed a wedding Saturday, and I, uh, Sunday I was going out to football games, and I put in, I had an old MTV hip-hop disc. And I was just in the mood, you know, I was for a little coolio, you know. <laughs> and, I, and I put it in, and I cranked it, and I'm like, oh, my God. Was this... it like Fantastic Voyage? Well, I played that. I played some oh. California Love. I played a little Snoop Dogg, you know, What's My Name? Dun -dun 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 -dun. <laughs> and the bass. That's wow, so hilarious. Man. I could just picture you. Just and I, I'm like, wow. With one hand on the steering wheel and the seat <laughs> lead back, and your, and your F-150 <laughs> just cruising, just bumping. My that's, fleet truck, that's yeah. That's great. <laughs> but it's sounded good but yeah I, it's uh, so i'm i've made it into the 2000 or the 21st century now so well these guys have gotten their start uh just prior to the 21st century and uh i'm really excited about this one and i know i say that about every inter every interview obviously got some good ones though. but uh but yeah it's been it's been fun to kick this one off um this was actually just from a month ago with um uh elias soriano from nonpoint and uh, for those of you who are familiar with Nonpoint, they got their start in South Florida about 15 years ago. And their new record just came out. Uh, this is going to be releasing on a Friday. Um, so for, for you guys, by the time you hear this, it'll already have been out for three days. But uh, we're, we're taping this on a Monday. That's when we tape. Uh, but their new self-titled album comes out this week. And, you know, Elias was just, uh, we had a lot of fun talking, man. We talked about the band. Uh, they they had some lineup changes prior to the making of this record and uh, switched labels and and really have been through a lot just the last couple of years. I mean that's kind of how the industry goes, Mike, in the music industry, especially now. I mean it used to there used to be a time, you know, especially like when Nonpoint got started back in the mid nineties, uh -huh. where you know record companies were the ones that really had the power, right? You know, and they give you some money, you'd go to record, then you go on tour, pay them back, um, but but the days of i think advances and and the money train that used to be the record companies it's not like that anymore because of of the digital age you know right. now anybody can make a record if you got pro tools and you got a nice computer and and you've got you know the basics of sound recording you know you can make an album doesn't it's mean you're going to be any good right and talent you, you know what i mean but but you can you can do it and that's kind of taken the power away from the record companies a little bit but but anyway, these guys have, have been around for a long time, and that's not why they split with their label. I mean, they, there were some other things that were going on, but there were just a lot of changes. But, uh, you know, 
the core uh, of this band stuck together, uh, Elias being part of that core, and they were able to find a great new home in Razor and Tie, which is which is home to some other uh, great artists as well. POD is on there as well as All That Remains. I mean, they, they've got some good good names and good talent on that label, and these guys really believed in Nonpoint and have really put their themselves behind their music and they recorded this new album with Johnny K who's produced, you know, Megadeth, Seven Dust, Stained, Disturbed. I mean, the guy the guys worked with a lot of different artists and um they had a lot of fun working with them and uh this was really cool to talk to Elias because they've been coming to Toledo pretty much the entire time that they've been a band. And so we talked about a little bit of everything, you know, the band, we talked about the changes in the band, we talked about this new record. Um, and it was, it was really cool. Elias was, uh, was a really, really down to earth guy. You know, once again, you know, I'm I'm so happy that I was able to talk, uh, uh, to a musician who was on this level, uh, who, who was so down to earth and just so cool. And, um, that's why I'm giving you this interview because Elias was a really, really cool dude. So I'm going to shut up without further ado, folks. Here is Mr. Elias Soriano, the vocalist for Nonpoint. first thing I want to say to you, man, is uh, just thanks again for taking some time with me today. I really do appreciate it. And uh, as far as kicking this thing off goes, um, I definitely have to ask you about a couple of lines, and and you you probably know what they're going to be. But in terms of setting the tone for this album, I've listened to it a few times now, and knock you over with a statement that will shock your mother should have left you in the balls of your pops. I mean, what what was that like when you when you wrote that, and who was that directed to? Because that that song uh, is listened to the album a few times. That's just I, I mean you were really there, there's times when you hear singers and and they're really just in the moment and feeling it and from like start to finish on this whole record I think it was like that. But that was definitely one of those lines that that when I heard it I was like wow that's one of the the hardest things I've come here come out of like a, a metal singer's voice or a rock singer's voice in, in a long time. Thanks. Well, I, it's it, you know I, this 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 past year and a half of my life has, has been you know, really stressful, and, you know, there's there's been a lot of, you know, uh, things going on, you know, with the band and, and you know, with, with, you know, the industry as a whole, so, you know, I, I just I just felt like this time around, I, I really wanted to just speak about something that I was really, really dealing with, and, and you know, I'd say 100% of the record is exactly that. Yeah, I mean, uh, and, and I'm not asking you to, like, uh, you know, sling mud or anything, but can you kind of talk a little bit about what the last couple of years have been like just in terms of like it seems what you guys went through with with lineup changes and, and dealing with uh you know the record companies and stuff like that seems like things that a lot of bands go through over the course of their whole career and you guys had to deal with that in just like that small window of time i mean what was that like and and, and what's it been like to kind of come out on the other side the way you guys have 
positivity that kind of came out of that too you became um a dad right and and then razor and ty didn't they seek you guys out
you know, this record, I wanted it to be as many ideas and as many, you know, uh, suggestions as you possibly could, could have so that way we could, you know, come across some genius. Yeah, I mean, and, and as far as uh, as far as this one goes, being um, your eighth studio album, I mean, that's kind of an, an achievement in and of itself. But on top of that, what was it like to work with uh, with Johnny K, and how did that relationship come about? It was great. Uh, the The name came up from the label. Uh, you know, they wanted us to sit down with a producer and possibly a songwriter. And uh, when his name came up, uh, it was. You know, it was a no-brainer. We definitely wanted to do it. Thankfully, Razor and Ty had enough of a budget and, and wanted to really put it behind us and give us that opportunity. Uh, I met with Johnny uh, first meeting, played him ten songs. He immediately started giving suggestions, so I knew that you know the the relationship was going to be good. So you know, we we made the call and and you know from there we you know got into the studio. I think shit a week later, week and a half later. It was great. He has a great perspective. He's, you know, he's he's great at what he does. He's he's really uh, he's really open minded, but at the same time too, he makes sure that you know everyone's focus stays, you know, on 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 the prize, which is writing a, a great song. Yeah, and, and listening to to you know obviously bands like Disturbed and Seven Dust and Stained from the outside looking in, it kind of seems like what what he does is. When he records with bands, it doesn't seem like he tries to put so much a Johnny K stamp on it as he does just try to bring out like whatever that band is good at and and make that come out on the records. Is that what it's like to work with him? Does he just sort of focus on whatever the strengths are of the band and, and then help you guys drive that home? Well, pretty much he he focuses on the strengths of the song, and you know he he. I guess it was great that we had 30 songs to pick from. And, you know, we narrowed it down to about 14 in the studio with him. And then and then from there, we took those 14 and even took them further. So, you know, he's, he's definitely, he, he definitely likes to get the best out of the song. But as far as, like, you know, that was actually one of my worries. You know, I, hearing the Disturbed records, you know, they're, you know, I, I I was worried that that would be his suggestion, and it's not even the the case at all. He's he's not about trying to make anyone sound like disturbed. He's definitely exactly what you said. He's about making everyone sound the best at what they're good at. I mean, because cause listening to this record, too, uh, you know, obviously you guys are, have really come to prominence and, and been known uh, f- for your live show, and this this definitely seems like a record that's going to be able to translate to the stage. Yeah, it's, it, you know, people are getting, you know, getting, uh, I guess, uh, a couple of mixed, mixed signals from the first single that the, uh, the the label shows, which is left for you, but we released I Said It as a teaser track for a reason, and it's, you know, to let people know that that's, that's the DNA that, you know, us and Johnny K set for this record. You know, the one song that we did with Brian Virtue and Rob Graves, you know, I love that song. It's, you know, probably my second, maybe even my first favorite song on the record. I think it's it's probably our strong, one of our strongest songs. Um, but it's, this record is ridiculously aggressive. And, you know, when once you get down to, you know, songs like Lights, Camera, Action, and and ashes and stuff like that and go time and temper 
you know, all those songs are really, really, you know, aggressive and, and in some cases angry. And, and you know, I, I think, you know, our, our diehard fans and our old school fans really love that side of Malpoint. They love to hear me tell people about their shit. And, you know, they love to hear our guitar players and our drummer go off. So it's, it's you know, I, I think that that's what, ba- what our basic goal was. And Johnny K was all about that goal. And he's not the only uh, Chicago flavor you guys have. Obviously, now with Dave, Adam, and Rashid, uh, what have those guys brought to the table? Uh, There's some amazing players, and uh, you know they're they're bright guys. They have gigantic hearts, and they're ridiculous on their instruments. You know, Rashid played in a, a band called Crash Poet out of Chicago that was you know massive there, and and you know to have that voice and to have that guitar and have that front man style, you know, on a rhythm guitar is, is, you know, priceless. And then, you know, Dave, he actually found Dave from another band out of Chicago, and the guy's probably one of the most ridiculous guitar players I've ever seen in my life on a guitar. He's just, he's definitely the most proficient guitar player I've ever had at Knotpoint. And, you know, and then, you know, Adam is the same way. His, the, the, the guy, you know, is practically a jazz bass player. He's, he's ridiculous and he goes off on stage. So, you know, you know, I feel, like I said, I feel like we hit the reset button and all we have, you know, now is a clean slate and, a, you know, just the opportunity to do whatever the hell we want to now. For you, lyrically on this record, Elias, how much of it was um, was personal and driven from personal experience, and how much of it was conceptual? Because there was a, a couple of songs that I listened to that seemed like they definitely had had themes, but I, I kind of wanted to, to ask you about that a little bit. Well, the themes are more metaphorical. I, I don't think that it's it's everything is 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 drawn on on personal experience. I really don't, you know. I, I, it's it's hard for me to to write a song about something that I haven't experienced and, uh, uh, or I haven't you know or ha- it hasn't affected me. You know, I've I've written a song about you know uh, a dead body that I saw on the side of the road, my first dead body that I'd ever seen. Uh, you know, and it, it, it but it was more about what it did to me that day after seeing a dead body. You know, or you know you know, relationship songs. It's, it's all, you know, even though I'm doing wonderful in my relationship now, you know, the song Left For You, I have to go back in my head because that was, you know, I just felt like that song sounded like, you know, the music of that song made me feel, you know, disparity. And, and you know, some of my most desperate times were, you know, dealing with relationships. So that's, that's where that, that song kind of was drawn from was a past experience of, of you know feeling like that there was you know that you just give up on somebody you know and that's and and that I I, I pulled from a past experience same thing with what a day whenever what a day is that I got from a story that a friend of mine told of something that happened to him he passed out and was drunk and got pretty much abducted wasted and left in a park you know that was that was that that story, but you know it was it was the, how it stuck with me that that you know turned it into a song. What was the inspiration for um, for International Crisis and that day? Was was that day the one you were just talking about about the the dead body on the road? Um, 
pretty much, yeah. That the international crisis was was you know it was pretty much about a point where you know I there was there were certain characters in the camp uh, uh, you know in the band that were trying to keep you know the 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 life of this band continuing and. You know, it, almost like they could just press a button at any time, and that would be the end of, of us. And you know, I, it, it was a reminder that that isn't the case ever. That's never the case. You know, I'm, I, 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 my livelihood is something that I literally pull out of the ether. You know, I, 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 I'm creating, you know, something out of nothing. And you know, uh, you, you, you can never keep that from anybody. And what was the decision like for um, for this to be a, a self-titled? Was that just sort of a reflection and kind of a statement from you guys that that even through these changes that this is still this is still non-point? Uh, no, but I like your answer a lot better than mine. <laughs> uh, it was pretty, pretty much. I mean, in a roundabout way, that's that's pretty much it. We wanted to kind of hit the reset button. You know, we've never had a self-titled record, and, and after this first writing cycle with with the new guys it just it feels anew you know so we we, we just felt like what, what a better way to you know to represent that than just call it self-titled how about the uh, the artwork, sort of the the old kind of kind of creepy TV with with uh, your guys's logo and stuff coming out of it? What did you guys have any input into into how that all came about? I I actually designed that. Okay. I actually designed the little inside part of the TV. was was a design that I had thrown together, and then between us and uh, a gentleman named Jeff Chanel, uh, who's a, a graphic artist, we uh, we we put that. Uh, Is there like a story or anything behind the artwork? It was just more urban and inner city. You know, we feel like we connect really with that, you know, that that dirty crowd. You know, <laughs> that crowd that's just, you know, real street. We, we, we have a lot of fun with, with our crowds in the big cities. And, you know, people really connect with us there. And I'm from a big city. I'm from Fort Lauderdale. I grew up near Miami my whole life. So the, the boys are from Chicago. And we just, we really connect with that. You know that urban beehive of, of inner city life, and you know we feel like those Hartford, Connecticut's, and those you know Miamis, and those you know downtown Orlando's, and you know Dallas, Texas, and those big cities really, really connect with our band. And, you know we, we we wanted to kind of pay homage to all of all of them by you know giving them giving that grimy underground feel. One last thing I'll ask you before I let you go, and thanks again, Elias, for for taking time today, man. I really appreciate it. What's what has the band's relationship been like with uh, with Toledo? Um, I know you guys have been here even recently, within like the last year and a half, right? I mean, what, what's what's Toledo been like for you guys the the last you know course of the years? Toledo, Toledo's been great. Uh, you know, 
is always good. We're definitely, you know, even though we're from the South, we're a Midwest band, you know, especially now, just from the years of touring. You know, people people all the time ask us if we're either from L.A. or from Wisconsin just because of what happens up there in the Midwest with us. And, you know, Toledo's one of those places that we've, we've played our whole lives, you know, pretty much for the entire 15 years that we've been in a, in a band. Toledo has always been a stop for us. So it's, it's a, it, we played a ton of venues there. It's always nurtured us, so we'd like to keep coming back to places that nurture us. Well, Elias, thanks again, man. I, I appreciate it, and congratulations on, on just you know being a dad and having this thing going with Razor and Ty and the new record and everything, man. It was fun talking to you today. Thanks, I appreciate it. Send love to my daughter, Marley. <laughs> For sure, man. All right, everybody, that was Elias Soriano, the singer-slash-frontman-slash-vocalist for Nonpoint. Uh, I hope you check out their new record. They're self-titled. Uh, came out Tuesday, this Tuesday, October 9th, and uh, I've had a chance to listen to it several times now because uh, Razor and Ty was cool, and they let me uh, take a, a little peek of it before um, before the street date so I could talk about it a little bit in the story. And if you're a fan of heavy music, it's it's a great record because, you know, it's got everything from, from like, real in-your-face songs, like I said it, and uh, lights, camera, action, to, to more thematic songs like pandora's box and uh you know some other heavy hitters in there as well um and and it was really it was it's i really enjoyed listening to the record because i think nonpoint does a good job uh you know and they're they're one of those bands mike that they mix up the the heavy and the riffing with you know the melodic sense very well and i think it's a good blends of uh of that in the record and i think johnny k did a really good job producing it and and what i like about him and from what a lot of people have, have said that I've talked to that uh, have recorded with him is, you know, he does a good job of really just, uh, you know, bringing out what's what's best in the artist, you know. Mm-hmm. And Nonpoint is like a really, really good live band. I mean, there there's <laughs> there's there's a few bands that really bring it when they hit the stage, and and they're one of those bands that everywhere they play every night. I mean, you you hardly ever, if ever, at least I've never heard about anybody saying uh, we went to that nonpoint show and they totally stunk because because <laughs> they really do. I mean, they are very high energy on the stage. They they really have a, a live stage presence, and I think that that's another good thing about this record too. Is there's a lot of songs on there. Really, any one of them they could they could translate it to the stage and it would it would go over very well. So check out Nonpoint's new album. Their website, I believe, you just go to nonpoint.com. They're also on Twitter. Uh, you, they're also on Facebook, so you can check out their links uh, just about everywhere on the web. And uh, I just want to say thank you again to Elias from Nonpoint from giving me the time uh, when those guys uh, came into Toledo. We we had an opportunity to do that interview right before they came here, and uh, it was just it was just cool to talk to somebody who's who's been in the biz a while and still really believes in the music and. Uh, to see these guys have sort of this rebirth uh, at this stage of their career and bring on three new members uh, who have really contributed a lot to their sound on this record. Uh, it's exciting to see uh, where they're going to go from here. And I also want to make sure I say thank you to Carrie from Razor and Tie for giving me the go-ahead to be able to use this interview to give to you guys. So just thank yous all the way around. And uh, can't forget about my main man, Mike Jameson, right here. 
uh, getting up early on Monday mornings to... Uh, Doing a little dance, making a little, little love, <laughs> maybe getting down tonight. I don't know about the making love part. That'd be weird. We don't, we don't, me and you don't get down like that anyway. Mike's, Mike's still stuck in a, the 70s. A I'm in bit. his 70s mode right he's, now. Uh, he's, he's still got the, uh, the shirt with the, uh, the really wide collar on it. He's got some <laughs> billowy, billowy chest hair that would make uh, anybody from the Godfather movies proud. And uh, he's still rocking sort of a... Uh, a poofy mullet. He still if you can mullet, yeah. if you can picture what that looks like, folks, and, and the tinted sunglasses that you can't tell if they're they're uh, you know a sketchy figure or just I'm somebody sexy and I know it. Somebody trying and I to moved it up to the somebody trying to sell you some door to door toaster whatever. <laughs> they always do. Why do the weird people always have those tinted those like you know the brown or sometimes it's like a red you ever notice that yeah it's usually like gold frames and like a brown or red tinted chromosome damage yeah yeah (laughs) but anyway no he's a he's a cool guy he was a he was a big dj back in the day and he's still he's still a big big dj well i just i'm a big dj but now six five two sixty well i don't mean i i mean Back in the day, you were doing the club circuit and oh, stuff, yeah. and now oh, yeah. now you've toned it down to more weddings and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so I'm not saying Political you're not. I mean, I'm not saying you're not big anymore. I could still go into a nightclub, and I, because ironically, a lot of the music that the DJs are playing now and mixing and doing all that, uh, uh, you know, is old school music, anyways. So you know, you're 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 my era because that was the era. Yeah. You know, and and it's uh, so it's for that kind of music. You yeah. Know, so, well, the '70s had a lot of really, really good music. Actually, for me, it was the '80s and '90s. The '80s. Yeah. Oh, I'm not as old as you think. No, no. Well, you graduated high school in the '80s, right? '81. '81. Okay. All right. All right. I'll I'll cut you some slack. I, I messed up my fact check. '88 was like my year. '88 was the yeah, year. Yeah, that was the year. That, that was well, the that was brand the year new boats, I was born. brand new cars, brand new everything. See, I came Working into this four world. I came into this world, and all of a sudden, you know, after March fourth, eighty eight, things were really rolling for you. That was a great summer for you. And uh, yeah, and then uh, I left. I was a UPS driver, and I left UPS at the end of nineteen eighty eight, and the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, though. That UPS paid for all this stuff, and you know, and. Here's where here's where we set. Exactly, exactly, and that's that's what it's all about. It's about doing what you love to do and uh, just finding your voice in this world, man. And, yes. And, and I think I think the thing that that a lot of kids get caught up in today is that the expectations are always for for pretty much a lot of the high school kids out there. You know, are hey go to graduate and then go to college. You right. Know, college, 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 college. And and you know what? I went to college and I got my degree and I busted my butt. And I worked three jobs while I was in college, if you count being a full-time student a job. Uh, I worked, I was a full-time student. I worked part-time at a local hospital, which I still do. And I wrote for the student newspaper. And now I'm out of school and I'm writing for a different newspaper and I'm broadcasting and I'm working and I'm doing this. And you know what the thing is, is just, you you have to find, uh, you know, obviously you have to do something that you make money. All right, but if you're yeah, somebody, find that for me, please. Yeah, well, what I mean I'm 50 is, fifty, and I still haven't found that. I so. mean, is I think I think the formula for a lot of people is okay. When I, when it comes to picking a college major, it's money first. That's the first thing they look at. How much money am I going to be making? And then the second thing I think kids look at is, is there a need for that job? So happiness isn't even on the table. No. That's not even on the table no. yet. It's just money, and then. Is there a need for the job? And 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 I think it really should be the other way around. It should be. Oh, I agree. What do I enjoy? 
can I apply that to a career? Right. Those should be that should be your one two. Because if you're good enough at something, eventually you're going to make money for it. Now that doesn't mean that along the way you might not have to you you know to do other work to make right. ends meet. Of course you got to do that, you know. And that's what I'm saying. You can always have a job, but you know this idea that you go in and and, and you pursue something just for money wise. You know, I have a friend that I knew from high school. One of my my buddies uh, that was also you know still is really involved in music, and they were opening for Middle Class Rut. Another really good band. If you haven't heard them, check them out. Uh, this is back in November, and I saw him for the first time in a, in a while, probably since college graduation. I'm like, "Hey, what's going on?" And he was like, "Bauman." He's like, "I make more money now than at any other job I've ever had in my life." He was an engineering student at the University of Toledo, and uh, if you're not familiar with their engineering program, it is a very good program, and it's you know it's very difficult. And uh, he went into that. He loves cars and stuff, and I think he was mechanical engineering. I'm not for sure, but anyway. He's like, I make more money now than I ever have in my life, and uh, but he's like, I hate my job, so I'm going to go back to school and study psychology because I can't stand what I do. So that's what I'm talking about, man. Like you have to. I think you know, that's why a lot of people die young. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, look at look at all the stress I'm under, you know. Yeah, and I never went to. I mean, I started college, but uh, then I got hired at UPS to drive, and you know. But ever since I was six years old, I knew this is what I was going to do. I had my own radio station when I was 12. I, I knew this is what I was going to do. And, and, you know, obviously, you know, there's times when there's no money. And you're like, oh, man, people got to pay me because we're all sponsor-driven with everything right. we're doing. Right. But, uh, and everybody's like now, my God, Mike, the stress you're under. Oh, my goodness. You know, you're doing five TV shows a week. You're doing this. You're doing this. I wouldn't change my life. I, I mean, it'd be nice to have money, but... I mean, we I got a great crew. You guys are incredible. And we're bringing new kids into it all the time and doing what we want. And eventually, maybe I will make a lot of money. Who knows? I, it's not a not a big... I mean, I mean I'd like I'd like to have some survive. So if you want to send it to the... <laughs> Mike Jameson would like to pay on his carpaymentfund.com. <laughs> but no, seriously. it's And that's, that's how people in college have to think. Because they're just under this impression. I got to do this. I got to do this. Or... They've never, they've concentrated this, and this is my daughter right now. I mean, concentrated too much of, I got to have fun now. I got to have fun. I got to this, I got to that. And really never just sat down with themselves, maybe a little bonfire out in the backyard or something, and, you know, had a, had a cold one and just sat and looked in the scar, stars, or in the, at the stars and said, okay, what am I here for? What am I going to do? You know, and a lot of people haven't done that yet. And then they get to a point like, oh my God, I got to do this then. You know, and uh, and, it, and it makes it tough. So. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think I think for for I because you know you hear a lot about older generations say, oh, kids today, you guys got all this technology. But I, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, yeah, I think I do think that it's made uh, people lazy. Yeah, there's certain there's definitely a lot of things in our culture that that make uh, that make a lot of young people pretty complacent. You know, but at the same time, I still think that there are a lot of hardworking people in my generation, and sure. I think that a lot of it is just. <clears throat> That's the expectation is, you know, going to college and, and uh, you know, trying to, and then getting a job where you're going to make 50 grand. Like, I think a lot of kids think that. They get to college, they think, okay, I'm going to be out in four years, then I'm going to have a job making 50 grand, then I'm going to have the house with the white picket fence and the golden retriever named, uh, you know, Chip, <laughs> and I'm going to have two and a half kids in, in the sure. car. You know, you can't think like Doesn't that. You got to like take that. things one day at a time, figure out what you're good at. You know, uh, go go choose a field that makes you happy. If you like helping people and you think you can handle the the healthcare realm, then do that. If you like music, you know, 
maybe you don't need a four-year school. Maybe you go to an audio engineering school. There's a great yep. one down in Southern Ohio. I know a couple of local musicians who went down there. I mean, there's you, you have to find out what makes you happy and what you're good at because you can always have a job. Mm. It might be at Pet Supplies Plus. <laughs> it might be at Dick's Sporting Goods. Right. It might be, you know, working in, in, a, in, a, in an office somewhere, whether it's, you know, a couple of, you know, lawyers or whatever. But, you know, you do what you do to make ends meet. But if the, at the end of the day, all you're doing is chasing down money, trust me, I know people that make money. and, and They're and, not happy. And they're not really all that happy. So that's why I like doing this, and that's why I like giving you guys these interviews is because, you know, Elias and Nonpoint are a perfect example of a band that's, you know, they've had their struggles, they've had lineup changes, they've had label changes, but they believe in what they do, they enjoy what they do, and they're talented. They're good at what they do. They're really good at what they do. And they spend a lot of time away from their families on the road. You have to make sacrifices if you want to have success. But if you really love what you do, then you can come out on the other side happy and positive, and that's what they've done with this new record. So that's why I'm so excited to have given you this interview today. So I want to wrap it up by saying thank you, Mike. Thank you, Razor and Ty. Thank you, Nonpoint. Thank you, Elias, especially. It was fun talking to you, man. And for the rest of you guys, I hope you all have a lovely, lovely day. And remember, keep the faith and be kind to one another. Peace. Peace.